Hi, this is Nate Regeer, CEO and co-founding owner of Next Element. Welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm honored and delighted to have as my guest, Marshall Goldsmith, world-renowned business educator and coach. Marshall has authored or edited 35 books, has been recognized by the Thinkers 50 as the number one leadership thinker in the world. Marshall's not only a leadership guru, but a generous soul and a really nice guy. Welcome, Marshall. Happy to be talking to you. Fantastic. Will you let the audience know where you are today? I am in lovely Rancho Santa Fe, California, which is just north of San Diego. Fantastic. Well, I bet the weather's a little better than it is here in Kansas. Yeah, we have. It's about 73 degrees. but The weather here is very nice. Beautiful. Marshall, you've had a tremendous career spanning almost 40 years. You've worked with leaders and organizations across the globe and published a ton of books. Before we get started, would you share a little bit with the audience about what gets you up these days? Any projects you'd like to let us know about or what's going on that you're most passionate and excited about these days? Well, I'm working on a very exciting, at least for me, new project. Um, I was a coach years ago of a man named Brian Walker. Brian's the CEO of a company called Herman Miller, a large furniture company. As his coach, I interviewed his key stakeholders. One of his key stakeholders, a wonderful woman named Aisha Bursell. Aisha is from Turkey and was one of the world's top furniture designers. Well, Aisha and I became friends many years ago, and she started looking at the design concept and saying, how can you design a great life? So she did a program called Design the Life You Love. I went to the program, and as part of the program, she said, who are your heroes? You write down the name of your heroes. So I write down the name of these people who are my heroes. Then she said, why are they your heroes? You write that down, and then you cross out their name and write in your own on the assumption that if these people are your heroes, why aren't you like them? Well, as it turned out, my heroes were all teachers, and they're all very generous people. And none of them ever charged me anything for all the help that they gave me over the years. So I thought, I should be more like them. So my new project is I'm going to basically adopt 15 people who are coaches or teachers or people that are in related fields. I'm going to teach them everything I know for free, spending several days with them. And I'm going to give them unlimited access to me, all free. The only charge is when they get old like I am, they have to do the same thing for 15 other people. So I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, it's a, Inc. Magazine is going to make an offer to their Inc. 5,000 leaders, and then one of the 5,000 is going to be selected. I've had 1,000 applicants already. So uh, if any of your listeners would like to apply, just send me an email. It says 15 coaches, and I'll make sure they get the application. I'm very, very excited about this. So it's a, I think it's a nice kind of pay-it-forward opportunity. Oh, that's that's exciting, and we'll definitely uh, definitely pass on any interest that comes our way. Uh, what an excellent uh, what an excellent segue into the focus of today's podcast. Teachers uh, might be one of the people that use questions more than anybody in a given day, and the focus of today's podcast is on the power of questions as a function of leadership. Questions are one of the most important tools that a leader uses, both with themselves and with others. Yet not all questions are created equal. Marsha, would you share a little bit about your perspective on the role of questions in leadership? 
Oh, I'm a great believer in the concept of asking questions. I have a process called the daily question process. Every day I ask myself, I don't know, 43 questions, I think. And then uh, I have a person call me up every day. She listens to me read the questions I wrote and provide the answers I wrote every day. So I think it's a fantastic way to keep what's important in life in your head. Uh, someone asked me, why do you, it's also difficult to do. I'll share something with your listeners that takes three minutes a day, costs nothing, will help them get better at almost anything. Now, people are skeptical right now, thinking three minutes a day, costs nothing, help me get better at almost anything. Sounds too good to be true. Tell us what it is. Yeah, half the people start doing this quit within two weeks. And they don't quit because it does not work. They quit because it does work. It's incredibly easy to understand, incredibly difficult to do. This is called the daily question process. Uh, every day I pay a woman to call me. She just listens to me read questions I wrote and find answers I wrote. Someone asked me, why do you pay someone to do this? Don't you know the theory about how to change behavior? I wrote the theory about how to change behavior. That's why I pay a woman to call me every day. I know how difficult it is. Uh, my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I'm the world's leading executive coach. I pay a woman to call me every day. She listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day. Why do I do this? I'm too cowardly to do this by myself. I'm too undisciplined. I need help. And it's okay. It's okay. Well, I think, you know, once we get over this macho, I can do it on my own self-discipline nonsense. Life is a whole lot better. For example, let me give you a couple of my questions. One of them is, how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth it? I've almost never got a zero in my whole life. Kind of hard for that old professor not to be right all the time. Mm. How many angry or destructive comments did you make about people? That's pretty hard to avoid all those catty little comments. Or how many minutes did you walk or push-ups or sit-ups? Just a lot of questions about life. Say, do something nice for your wife, your daughter, your son. How many minutes did you write? Just basic questions about life. Easy to understand and hard to do. If you do this every day, you quickly learn one thing. Life is easy to talk. Life is hard to live. Oh, thank you. And boy, the power of questions to hold ourselves accountable and how important it is to have help in that process. Um, in, right. your, in your most recent book, Triggers, and in a related blog post actually that inspired me to, to contact you about this, you distinguish between passive and active questions. And you argue that active questions increase personal accountability for making meaningful behavior changes and achieving our goals. Will you say a little bit more about this distinction between active and passive questions? Well, my daughter Kelly taught me this. My daughter Kelly's PhD from Yale and is a professor of marketing at the Kellogg School of Northwestern. Kelly and I were reviewing work done on employee engagement, and we found that almost every question in employee engagement is a passive question. Do you have clear goals? Do you have a friend at work? Do you have meaningful work? Well, there's nothing wrong with passive questions, but when a person fills out a passive question, they provide a negative response, they almost invariably blame the environment. Do you have meaningful work? No. Well, why not? Um, they make me do trivia. Do you have a best friend at work? No, they're jerks. Um, you blame others. Kelly taught me the value of asking questions. It began with the phrase, did I do my best to? And there's six questions that are my first six questions now every day. Number one, did I do my best to set clear goals? Rather than say, did someone else set goals for me? Did I do my best to set goals for myself? Did I do my best to make progress toward achieving my goals? Did I do my best to find meaning? Did I do my best to be happy? Did I do my best to build positive relationships? 
And did I do my best to be fully engaged? Rather than saying, did the company engage me? Did I engage myself? Well, you know, our research on this is amazing. I'll invite all your listeners, if they want to participate, send me an email. Send me an email and write six-question study, and I'll enroll them in the study. So far, we have over 4,000 participants in our last round of studies, and the results are amazing. After 10 days, 46% of the people in our research say I got better at everything. 75% said I got better at four of the six items. Um, 94% said I got better at one item. 6% said no change, and less than 1% said I got worse. Why? Every day, these questions get me to focus not on what I cannot change. Get me to focus on what I can change. And the one thing in life I can be 100% responsible for is a question begins with, did I do my best? I can't blame that one on someone else. Mm-hmm. That's powerful results. 46% saw improvement? In everything. Wow. Well, you can't argue with that. Um, great listeners out there, take Marshall up on that um, opportunity. Wow. Your argument and your examples challenge me. Um, I was challenged because I've adhered to the common wisdom that open-ended questions are better than closed-ended questions. And uh, I, I've always thought that closed-ended questions just invite a yes-no response and encourage compliance, whereas open-ended questions invite a person to think and take more ownership over their answer. All six of your questions are closed-ended, and they're inspiring. What's your perspective? Help me out with that. Well, I think if you want to have a dialogue, open-ended questions are much, much superior. Okay. You know, if you have a question that's a yes-no question, you don't get much of a dialogue. So if your goal is dialogue, I would highly recommend open-ended questions. If your question is, how many push-ups did I do? Well, it doesn't really ask a lot of sense. How do you feel about push-ups? So I think it really depends on the goal of the question. If the goal of the question is to measure something, then a closed-ended question is fine. If the goal of the question is to encourage thought or dialogue, an open-ended question is far better. Fantastic. Thank you. That's a really helpful distinction. Well, you're a master of asking great questions. Uh, in another one of your best-selling books, Mojo, How to Keep It, How to Get It Back If You Lose It, um, you pose one of those stop-you-dead-in-your-tracks questions that I love. Um, and the question is, <clears throat> would you rather be smart or effective? I've often asked myself in my coaching, <clears throat> excuse me, my coaching clients a version of this, you know, would you rather be right or effective? Um, so it sounds like we're kind of on the same wavelength. Uh, will you expand a little bit on the power of this question? Well, you know, I had the privilege of spending 50 days with Peter Drucker before he died, the world's greatest authority on management. And, yeah, I got ranked number one leadership thinker. My intellect compared to that of Peter Drucker was the intellect of a 10-year-old. Peter Drucker was a very smart man and taught me many things and a very wise man. One thing he said is our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove how smart we are and not to prove how right we are. We get so lost in proving how smart and right we are, we forget that's what we're here on Earth for. We're here to make a positive difference. And Peter uh, Peter Drucker taught me something I expand on in my book, Triggers. Before you deal with any topic, another great question to ask is, am I willing at this time to make the effort required to make a positive difference on this topic? Am I willing at this time to make the effort required to make a positive difference on this topic? If the answer is yes, go for it. If the answer is no, take a deep breath and let it go. Uh, I have a home in Rancho Santa Fe, California, where I am now. My second home is in New York City. One of my neighbors in my New York home was a young woman named Lindsay Lohan. How many millions of hours have been spent, have been wasted 
people reading stories about Lindsay Lohan got stoned and drunk and had a car wreck. And, you know, well, you're not making a positive difference in the world reading about Lindsay Lohan or Kim Kardashian or any of those people. You want to have a great life? Live your own life. Make a positive difference yourself. One thing I always tell people is, if you ever think Lindsay Lohan's a loser, she's not wasting her life reading about you. Well, <laughs> before you deal with anything, say, am I going to make a positive difference here? If I am, do it. If I'm not, why am I wasting my life on this? Hmm. Wow, that's that's great. You know, your your questions have inspired a lot of people over the years. I, I'm curious if you if you were to turn inward, uh, what's a question that someone asked you that really challenged you and instigated growth for you? Uh, years ago, um, my old mentor was a man named Dr. Bob Tannenbaum. I was a young PhD student at UCLA. My self-image was that I was hip and cool. This was back in the early 70s. I was deep, very deep fellow, right? So we're in a encounter group class, and we're encouraged to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So I, three weeks, I talk about people in Los Angeles. Same as people in Los Angeles, they're so screwed up. They wear these $85 sequin blue jeans and they're plastic and materialistic. And all they care about is impressing others. So I battled on for three weeks about the people in Los Angeles. Being from Valley Station, Kentucky, I guess I was the world authority on people in Los Angeles. Finally, old Dr. Tannenbaum looks at me, scratches his beard, and he goes, Marshall, who are you talking to? So I guess I'm talking to the group. He said, who in the group are you talking to? I said, I guess everybody. He said, I don't know if you know this, every time you've spoken, you've looked at only one person. You've addressed all of your comments toward only one person. Who's that one person? I thought about it. I said, you. I said, that's right. He said, that's right, me. Why me? Well, I said, you know, Dr. Tannenbaum, I think a person with your deep background and understanding can understand the true significance of what I'm saying about how screwed up it is to try to impress people all the time. <laughs> He looked at me and said, Marshall, for the last three weeks is all you've been doing, trying to impress me. I said, well, no. I said, Dr. Tannenbaum, I'm very disappointed. I think you've missed the point of everything I've said. I've been pointing out how, how screwed up it is to waste your life trying to impress people. I don't think you understand at all. He looked at me, scratched his beard and said, well, I think I understand. I looked around the room. I see 10 heads nodding. I hated Dr. Tannenbaum's guts for six months. Six months later, I said, thank you, sir. You just taught me a good lesson. So that was a question that I would say totally changed my career. Wow. And in, uh, and spoken with, uh, with humility from a person that you respected, that's uh, got to be powerful. Yep. Yeah. You listed uh, six questions we should ask ourselves every day. If you had to narrow down the top three questions a leader should be asking, either of themselves or of other people, what would they be? Well, those six questions are what I call the six engaging questions. Those don't just apply to leaders. Those apply to humans. Mm. Uh, for leaders, there are three factors that really, to me, make a difference on do they get better. And I'm not an expert on all elements of leadership. It's just changing leadership behavior. The one is to have the courage to look in the mirror. The second is uh, to have the humility to admit I can improve. And the third is to have the discipline to do the hard work required to get better. Mm. Three questions we can ask ourselves every day. Yep. Fantastic. 
Well, speaking of questions, uh, I've been asking you questions this whole time. I'm, I'm curious if there's a question you would have liked to answer that I didn't ask. Uh, if so, what is it, and what would you what would you say? All right, I'm going to give everyone uh, just my favorite coaching advice in the whole world. So for all your listeners, I want everybody to take a deep breath. Imagine you're 95 years old. You're just getting ready to die. You're on a deathbed. Here comes your last breath. Right before you take that last breath, you're given a beautiful gift. The ability to go back in time. The ability to go back in time and talk to the person that's listening to me right now. The ability to help that person be a better leader, a better professional. Much more important. The ability to help that person have a better life. What advice would the wise 95-year-old you, who knows what really mattered and what didn't matter and what was important and what was not important, what advice would that wise old person have for the you that's listening to me right now? You don't have to do anything or say anything or write anything. Just answer that question in your mind. What advice would that old person facing death have for you? Mm. Whatever you're, whatever you're thinking now, do do that. In terms of a performance appraisal, that's the only one that's going to matter. That old person says you did the right thing. You did the right thing. That old person says you screwed up. She screwed up. You don't have to impress anyone else. Some friends of mine interviewed old folks who are dying. Got to ask them this question: What advice would you have? On the personal side, three themes. Theme number one: three words. Be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. Be happy now. The great Western disease, I'll be happy when. When I get the money status, BMW condominium, when I get that next promotion, when I get that next book out there, I will be happy when. We all have the same when. That old person is when. Learning point from old people, I got so busy chasing what I didn't have, I couldn't see what I did have when I had everything. I'm sure many of your listeners are among the luckiest people that ever lived. Many have friends and family and health. Compared to me, they have youth. They've got it all. Don't get so busy chasing what you don't have. You can't see what you do have. Learning point number two, friends and family. When you're 95 years old, you look around your deathbed, none of your coworkers are waving goodbye. You realize these friends and family, they're, they're kind of important. They're the only people who care right now. And learning three, if you have a dream, go for it. Because if you don't go for it when you're 35, you may not when you're 45, and you probably won't when you're 85, and it doesn't have to be a big one, maybe a small one. Go to New Zealand, speak Spanish, play a guitar. Other people think your dream is goofy. Who cares? It's not their dream, it's yours. It's not their life, it's your life. Business advice is much different. Number one, have fun. Life is short. Don't get so wrapped up worshiping the corporate God that you forget to live your life. Number two is people do whatever you can do to help people. The main reason to help people has nothing to do with money or status or getting ahead. The main reason to help people is much deeper. The 95-year-old you will be very proud of you because you did and disappointed if you don't. And the final advice also the same. Go for it. Your world's changing. Your industry's changing. Do what you think is right. may not win. At least you try. Old people, we almost never regret the risk we take and fail. We always regret the risk we fail to take. Mm. So, final thing I'd like to say is thank you so much for asking me to talk with you. 
Marshall, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the wonderful nuggets and for um, we could spend days with you and you consolidated some powerful, powerful um, inspiration for us around the topic of questions. Uh, do you have any parting advice for how leaders can ask better questions every day? Look in your heart. Look in your heart. That's our interview for today. Marshall, I want to express my deepest gratitude for your willingness to share your time and expertise with our audience today. It's been a pleasure, and I know I've learned a lot. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. had a great time talking with you. Again, this has been Marshall Goldsmith, best-selling leadership author, educator, and executive coach. To learn more about Marshall and the incredible resources he offers, go to marshallgoldsmith.com. And listeners, be sure to take advantage of the opportunities that Marshall offered in this podcast to engage with him and benefit from his deep expertise. Here's wishing you all a wonderful day.